and welcome to the Parker and Jesse podcast. This is Parker. Hi, this is Jesse. <laughs> How are you today? Um, I'm doing good. How are you? How'd the baby sleep last night? Not too bad. Um, definitely struggling a little bit, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm really excited though to start the new year. It feels like a fresh beginning. How about you? Yeah, no, it's good. I think 2017 is going to be awesome. Yeah, so far it's awesome. Yesterday was awesome. Right, so um, today we want to talk about something that's near and dear to our hearts and um, will be near and dear to Salt Churches as long as Salt Churches is in existence. And um, it's just something that consumes both of our lives. And so we wanted to put it on recording. Um, This is kind of our first podcast recording together. This is our first podcast (laughs) recording together, so... Forgive us because we're both really strong personalities and we're trying to put a baby to sleep in the middle of recording this at the same time. But That's um, life. <laughs> but yeah, that's life for us we right now. We tried to do this a hundred times. Yeah. And- this is our third attempt. Our first one, we pretty much just argued the whole time. Um, so we figured we wouldn't publish that, but hopefully we can <laughs> do better and actually love each other this time. Um, New Year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my New Year's resolution. It's to not argue with my wife while trying to record podcasts. <laughs> All right, so um, we want to talk about discipleship and what discipleship is, and it's a buzzword. It pops around all the time. I hear every single church talk about it, but not necessarily see disciples made at every single church I've been to, um, but I think that... Can I be honest about something with that? I feel like that's probably like our biggest pet peeve is just yeah. how much it's like the word's almost like abused. Yeah, it's like we're making disciples. I'm like, well, what does that mean? It's like, well, if you're listening to a message is not discipleship. Let's just be clear with that. And counseling isn't discipleship. It's it's something completely different, we Neither believe. Neither is even mentorship. Well, yeah, because mentorship is more about the person becoming that... Becoming like you. Becoming <laughs> like... You're more, more like becoming like the mentor yeah. than it is becoming like Jesus. And I think mentorship is good and it has its positive benefits, but learning life from Jesus... And learning how to be an apprentice to Jesus, I think, is something completely different. And for some reason, I think for so many years, we've missed it. And it's our it's our biggest opportunity to grow. It's our biggest opportunity to affect change in people's life. And it's our biggest opportunity as a universal church overall to actually change nations and disciple nations. So, Do you want to read the verse that kind of is like the foundational verse of our church? Uh, yeah, it's the Great Commission. <laughs> so, I mean, I know a lot of people throw that around, um, but I'm going to read it here, and it's in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, that's something that's really important to remember before we even jump in. So, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. But, like, what is a disciple? Right. And, well, I think I think this verse has become like a foundation for us um, because we knew it, but it really wasn't until two years ago that we actually started living it and seeing the fruit of it. And one of the things we always talk about is we almost feel like it's um, like Jesus was giving us, like the church, a hint right before he ascended back into heaven as to how to grow the church. 
And one thing that we always talk about is like we try all these methods and programs and systems and organizations and all these things to well, there's do. Entire, there's entire businesses set up to consult churches on how to grow. Right. And yet, Which is wild. When you, you read the like, book of Acts, like you're this, like, wait, what? Like, there's like a secret sauce that God's given you, but it's yeah. not so secret. It just... Maybe unused. Yeah. Maybe. And so, um, well, I mean, if you're doing, if you think you're doing discipleship and it's not growing, it's highly likely you're not doing discipleship. (laughs) Well, and one thing just to clarify and just to make this really, really simple, a disciple is someone that follows Jesus. And by that, we mean that their whole life is growing out of living out the practices and the teachings of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we truly believe that Jesus yeah. is the master of life. He, sa- he says, I am life. And so um, if you are saying you believe in Jesus, but you're not doing anything that he says that you should do, um, it, it says that faith without works, it is dead. And so you have to you have to ask yourself first yourself, am am I actually even following Jesus, or is it more just um, a faith that's maybe like a checkbox on Facebook? Well, what would you say is the main difference between somebody? Because I think a lot of people might be deceived. Like, I think a lot of people actually are deceived that they believe they're following Jesus, but they may not be. So, what would you say is like the main difference between somebody that's like an attendee or an adherent, right? And a like an adherent to a list of rules or a church and a follower? Well, for one, I and I just want to throw this out there, I definitely would suggest anyone that's wrestling with this to read the book Follow Me by David Platt. Um, that book really, like, I feel like clarified a lot for me. Um, it's really challenging, but it was an incredible book just about what a follower looks like. But I think there there's a lot of signs that, if someone's following Jesus, and I think one of them is is that um, they're radically obedient. Mm-hmm. I think a follower of Jesus um, puts all of their hope and trust in the person of Jesus. So that would mean that if God asks them to do anything, they're willing to surrender all for that. And just an easy example of that is like the story of the rich young ruler. Um and basically, the the reason why he was not a follower of Jesus was because he could not let go of the things that he had to follow. And so sometimes, I actually every time, I think that there's a cost to following. And I think that if you haven't, if you haven't been willing to sacrifice um, or give up something to follow Jesus then chances are you might not be following. Can I say something that affect you with the cost? Mm-hmm. Because uh, the cost is important, and I think sometimes I overemphasize the cost because, I mean, like, I'm a disciplined person. I like the idea of discipline and how it changes people. And, I mean, that's the root word of disciple is discipline. So if you live a really undisciplined life, I mean, I think it took Jesus a lot of discipline to live the life he lived on earth. And, I mean, uh, I mean, he's passionate about everything. But I think... Um, what you pay for is what you get. Hmm. I really so what think, do you mean by that? I think what you pay for is what you get. So there might be a cost, but it's like the treasure hidden in a field. 
when it comes to discipleship. Yeah, you might have to give up everything you own. Yeah, you might have to give up your friends, your family, whatever it is, but the reward is so much greater because Jesus is life. He's everything. He's he's everything that is important on this earth and after we we spend our time here on earth. So it's like So wait, so why do you think people are maybe not willing to pay that price then? Like if it is a treasure hidden in a field. Well, I think the I think maybe they haven't met Jesus. So do you think that there are a lot of people that think they're they have they're following Jesus and maybe they've never even met him? That's highly likely. Uh, well, I actually believe that's true. I think a lot of people think they're following Jesus when they're just going to something or hanging out with a group of people. They call themselves by the name Christian. It doesn't make sense that you would be following Jesus for five years, six years, and still have the same addictions, the same problem, and you haven't told one person right. about him. Like if you meet the author of life and he saved you, you're going to tell people about him. Right. You're going to want people to be saved. You're going to want people to know the news. And if you haven't met him, you're likely not reaching out to people. You're likely not making disciples. Can you tell me like for yourself personally, like when that shifted? Probably, I would say a couple of years ago. I mean, so like, what happened? Like, just tell me the. Yeah, I mean, tell it in a nutshell. I mean, I somehow I forgot how I stumbled across it, but I stumbled across a book by Dallas Willard called *The Divine Conspiracy*, and it talked about how basically the world is flying upside down, and there's no moral compass left, and discipleship is the key to actually changing nations, changing people, and changing hearts. And I wasn't seeing that happening around me, so. I decided to try and dig deeper into what that looked like. It looks like I got obsessed with the Gospels. I kept reading about Jesus over and over and over and over again and seeing who he was as a person. And I found that the more I got to know him, the more I wanted to tell other people about him. And that was... That, like it was a natural... It was, it was natural and intentional. But so okay. it, a lot of people say like, oh, when the Holy Spirit leads or when God tells me, well... How many of God's lost kids do you think he cares about? Just a few or just some or or the ones that the Holy Spirit leads every once in a while? That's funny. That was a phone call from one of the guys that disciples us. Yeah, that was, that's really <laughs> ironic. So, which brings me to the next point. Like... We just got a phone call from a guy named Clint, and he just called us out into discipleship one day. I thought it was weird. I thought it was strange, but it lined up so well with everything that I was yearning for that he said, all right, come with me, I'll make you fishers of men. And we're like, well, are you really allowed to say that? <laughs> and and you know what? We started doing it not knowing what we were doing. And I think that's the key for everyone. Like, Jess, did well, you want to say about, something? Well, think about the early disciples. Like, you think they, they knew exactly what Jesus meant when he said, like... No, there's no detail in the Great Commission. It's just <laughs> No, like, I mean, even before the Great yeah, Commission, that, when yeah. they just were followers, he was just like, all right, like give up your whole livelihood and come follow me. But one of the things that um, someone once told us that I thought was really profound was it had probably been quite a bit of time that the disciples had been watching and observing Jesus and uh, yeah. before they were called into discipleship because right. he was teaching in the synagogues and preaching. And so I just think that um, I... I I think that God wants to offer something to you and show you the kingdom, and then that requires a response. Right. So there's a verse that I love, and it says, To much is given, much is required. And so I think a lot of times um, God wants to offer us the entire kingdom of God, um, but there's 
much required once it's given to you. And so I think a lot of times why most Christians don't have like full access to the kingdom is they're not willing to do anything with it once they have it. Right. And it is a narrow door. It's right. But it's a narrow door, but wide open spaces once you're through the door. You know what I mean? Once you realize that Jesus is the key, Jesus is the point, and the gospel and the preaching of the gospel is is so vital and important, um, the whole world opens up to you. So why why are you building your church on this one verse? Because that's what Jesus asked first. It's what he <laughs> asked us to do. It, it is. And, and if you know him and he's your Lord, um, then... You'll do it. And discipleship, discipleship in my practical male brain, it just works. Like well, I've, and you've done it. I've done it and I've seen it, seen it transform lives. Literally pull people like, guys, stop looking at porn. Um, their marriages get better. They start reading their Bible on a daily basis. They start building habits that are good in their life overall. And that's, or I mean, it looks start, like, like discipline. Single but, guys started like healthy relationships. Right, right. And yeah, a lot of these guys that I was discipling, I know it does, it's not magic, but probably four or five of the guys I discipled in New York all of a sudden started dating people because they grew up. They became men. And they stepped into manhood when Jesus called them out. And it wasn't about me. It wasn't about them following me because people need to be different than you. You can't rubber stamp discipleship. You can't manufacture it. It's or- I don't want to say organic because that's such a silly, stupid buzzword, but it grows more like a forest than than it does uh, manufacturing a building or trying to get people through a program or trying to teach them all the same things. Discipleship looks slightly different for everyone else, but there's some things that are really the same in every every environment. Well, and one of the things that we did yesterday with two of our disciples is we started it off with just like prophesying over them. So we just prayed and asked God, like, God, what do you have to say about these two people? And for them, discipleship looks like making them look like those people. So, for example, like, one of the people that we disciple, like, God told us that they're, like, a, a pastor and, like, all of the giftings that they have. And so for us, like, our discipleship for them is to make them, like, fully alive. Right. And to make them the most that they could possibly be like Jesus in their individual giftings, talents, personality. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like Taylor and Joe, who we disciple, like the way that they follow Jesus is so different from one another, but it's so uniquely beautiful. And our job is to just make them individually more like Jesus. Right. And I I think it was Paul, our lead pastor at the church we um, came from in New York, that said, whatever you you know, build something on, whatever you start something with, you have to sustain it with that. And that that meant a lot to me and that sunk in for me because if I or if we as Salt Churches try and sustain something that we want to be totally unhinged, unstoppable, an unstoppable force that the church can be, if we set that on a, a Sunday meeting or a program or a thing um, that people have to come to, then... I don't think that's sustainable in the long haul. I think you can hit long-term 40, 50, 60,000 people if you have one great dynamic leader. But I think with a church like this um, or with a body like this that's just making disciples and it's built on discipleship and it's focused on discipleship, you can have something that's actually unstoppable, that doesn't have limits in its, its measure of growth and can actually shift nations and shift the course 
of history over time. Yeah, even just thinking about that, too, I'm just thinking of, like, so I was at that church for almost seven years, and I'm, like, thinking back right now, like, the most impactful thing that ever happened to me at that church was when your sister, Andy, actually invited me to come over And I just remember we sat on her bed, and she had this book about spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. And she just sat with me, and she pointed to one of them, and it said exhorter. And she was like, this is what I believe you are. And I was like, no, 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 like, I'm not that one, without even reading it. And then I read it, and it just, like, completely unraveled me. And I just started crying. And she just was, like, speaking out, like, who I was. And talking to me about how I was a leader and um, and was, sh- like, showing me how to be that, that person that God was saying that I was. And any spiritual gift that you have, that, that, is, that is Jesus in you. So <laughs> you, you, you sometimes think, like, oh, that's, like, just a great thing that I have. But no, like, that's how God wants you to become more like him. Right. So, for example, if an, I'm an encourager... Jesus is the master encourager. So um, it's almost like to not take that gift for granted, but how do I become more like Jesus in my encouragement? So, so what, is it, what does that look like for you on a daily basis? What does go and make mean? Because we want to be like a go and make church, right? Right. Well, I think for me it's um, I, I pray and ask God like who I'm supposed to disciple And uh, um, every time that he's told me to disciple someone, it's been really good. And for each person, it's a little bit different. Can you kind of describe what that what that feels like in you? What that looks like, so people know, like when they're getting a, if they're asking God, what maybe that looks like, feels like a little bit. Yeah. So um, I'll give like three examples that are different from each other in short. So one girl named um, Andrea that I'm discipling, she lives in Georgia. Um, We were speaking at Awakening Conference this past September, and the entire week, I just couldn't stop thinking about her. And, uh, like, every time I would see her, like, I felt like just, like, God just was all, was obsessed obsessed with her, (laughs) pretty much. And I just kept seeing, like, all of this God potential in her that just needed to be, like, just, like, let out. Like, almost like she was, like, a lion in a cage. And she just needed someone to, like, teach her how to get herself out of the cage. And so um, I just, every time I prayed, she just kept popping up in my head randomly. Right. And I didn't really have a relationship with her before that. So it was pretty random. And so... Um, I asked her if I could disciple her, and I asked her to pray about it. And little did I know that she had been asking God for the last year for someone to ask her into discipleship. So now we talk every other Tuesday for an hour. And then Erica um, is someone that I I felt like God wanted me to disciple. And basically it was just because... Um, I could just tell she was really hungry for God, and she's really, like, obedient to whatever God says. And so I felt like it was a good investment. And so I started discipling her, and she immediately was discipling other people, and then the fruit in her disciples' lives was insane. 
Like their whole lives were changing and they were becoming so much like Jesus. And so it became really fun to disciple Erica because um, also like we would get together and read the Bible and like the revelations that God was giving her. Like she became my favorite person to read the Bible with. <laughs> so now like. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely reciprocal, right? Like, oh, yeah. You, you get far more from discipling people than I think they get from you. You know what well, I mean? Well, and the weird thing is, is Erica, I would meet at like six o'clock or seven o'clock in the morning. And every single time we were supposed to do discipleship, I wanted to cancel. Like yeah, every single thing. time, like yeah. I didn't feel well or I was tired or I didn't get a good night's sleep. I remember. <laughs> it was like, I really like, I, yeah. I despised it. And then as soon as they, like she came over, it was amazing. And as soon as she left, I was like so filled with like God and love and peace and like. Yeah. To be really clear, the enemy does not want you doing this because it, it's access to the kingdom. It literally opens the door of the kingdom. And I've seen that. I mean, I've seen it change us and change our marriage and the course of events in our life in general. <laughs> We're I mean, living in California I mean, we moved to, moved to California from New York City, drove across here with like a Jeep full of belongings. And I mean, God's provided along the way and everything. It's just completely radicalized our life. And I think, I think if we read the scripture and we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we read the book of Acts and we come away with it thinking man, I'd really like to live a nice life now, then you, then you weren't reading the same thing I was reading. If you really read it and really take Jesus at his word, really realize that what he said he meant, it's impossible to walk away and say, oh, you know what? I think Jesus just wants me to live a nice, blessed life. I think there's so much more available to us hmm. when it comes to discipleship. Yes, more sacrifice. Yes, more difficulty. Yes, people are going to feel uncomfortable around you when you're doing what Jesus asked you to do, especially if they're not doing it. But the, the whole kingdom's available to you right now, here and now today, not just when you die, but right here and right now. And that's what discipleship can do. It can open that door to the kingdom for you. And you're only getting 10% of it if you're getting discipled. It's really that 90% and that overflowing life is about pouring out into others. And that's, that's making disciples. Well, and like... In that verse, so we've talked a lot about the making, but I think maybe next week we could talk about, like, the going, because the verse says, go and make disciples. And I think a lot of times people maybe aren't making disciples because they're not going anywhere. (laughs) So (laughs) Maybe. So I think the, the making happens after the going. And I would love next week for us to talk about actually like being the church and what it looks like to go into all the nations and preach the gospel. I wonder how many Christians have actually, well, if they even know what the gospel is. Yeah, that's, (laughs) that's, I mean, that's really, I can't, I can't even describe to you how much people, uh, how many people I've met where I they, they don't know what the real story is. They don't know how good they actually have it. It's well, like someone sitting like in a palace. Evangelism saying, is saying, come yeah. to church with me on oh. Sunday. <laughs> right. And I think, and you, think about it. You're taking people into an environment that they have no context for, no understanding of. We live, we are already in a post-Christian America. So stop 
fooling yourself. Stop thinking that people are like, oh yeah, they know what church is and they've seen some stuff on TV about it, but I guarantee you their context for it and their thoughts about it are not even close to the same as what yours are. Even if you go to a great life-giving church. Well, we'll explain more about that Yeah, sorry. Week. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole podcast. Go on forever. Um, so I guess what we want to encourage you guys to do, uh, anybody listening, is to go and make. It doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. Make one disciple even like this month. Yeah. Yeah. And don't make it a resolution. Make it a lifestyle. But like I I would say that more than anything else in my entire life is when I des- decided in my heart that I was going to do it no matter what it felt like at first. Yeah. I mean, well, for me, it felt like I didn't want to do it at all. Yeah. Right. So like you, you it's the weirdest thing, but you want to do anything but that. Well, and think about what's possible. So so if every Christian in every church across the United States right now alone, and wherever you are right now. So 70% of America. So 70% of Americans claim to have some belief in Jesus. 70%. Imagine if they were making disciples, what America would look like. Or if even, let's just start at the basics. If they were disciples, if they were just following Jesus <laughs> and, and apprenticing themselves to Jesus in life and learning how to live. Like imagine if we just did the first part of the Sermon on the Mount where people just got rid of anger. Like how many other problems would not having mm. anger solve in America right now? Just just think about a country like that. Think about a place like, think about a group of five people like that and how much you would want to be around those kind of people and how if you could have hundreds of thousands of people like that that were actually salty in this country, what would it be like? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is that like, if there are not people naturally gathering around you, like it is worth asking because everywhere that Jesus went, there was a crowd. And we've just been in California for just two months, but we are so filled with like the fire and the love and the passion of God without an agenda, just to just release like who Jesus is in California. And literally like our Well, we do have an agenda. We have a discipleship is our agenda. We want but, people to I mean, enter the kingdom. Just, but it's who we are. Right. I'm not like... Yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, yeah. like, we don't meet people like, all right, come into our program. <laughs> and our already, though, our door has been our evolving door. Like, we've gone to neighbors' birthday parties and, uh, like, have, have relationships with people that, like, every time we go out, we're meeting people and we have tons of people coming over and watching football games and spending time with us yeah and if you don't know your neighbors like are you like are you following jesus like like knock on the door say hello get to know people around you and invite them into your life into the kingdom let them see what's different about you Uh, let them see it tell them to come and see just like jesus did yeah i think i mean you can do this that's the thing anybody can do this because you have the same holy spirit that jesus had yeah i would say definitely maybe read through the gospel and see, pick anyone, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and read one of them and get to personally know who Jesus is yourself. And one of the best things I can say to you is ask the Holy Spirit to be your teacher. Hmm. One of the best things I've ever done was I said, Holy Spirit, teach me the scripture. Like, let, let me question things I don't understand. 
Don't just skim over it. Ask God to reveal to you the mysteries in the Bible and let it come alive to you. One of the best things someone ever told me was this like very well-known prophet said to me, he said, do not go to Bible college. Do not be educated and taught by anyone else, but allow the Holy Spirit to be your teacher in scripture. And once I felt permission to do that, the word became flesh. And honestly, I felt like God was teaching me about himself. And so reading the Bible becomes more fun when the author is is reading it to you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit into your, your study of the word. And then just try it. Just try doing what it says. And we would love to know, like, how is it working out for you? Like, what are you wrestling with? What stuff doesn't make sense to you? Um, a lot of times people say, like, it's not relevant today. Why? Why do you believe that? And let's talk about it together. Let's walk through this process together because you are called and meant to make a difference wherever you are because you have the very spirit that raised Christ from the dead living and burning within you. So let the lion out of the cage. Yeah. Well, God, we just thank you for everybody listening right now um, and anybody that will be affected by this. And we thank you for... Um, discipleship. We thank you for the genius that is discipleship because you are the master of life and we want to learn how to live life from you. So God, I just empower every single person, whatever circumstance or situation they're in right now, to go and make disciples, to show people how big and how wide and how vast and how wonderful your kingdom is and how you care about every single person on this planet. You want to see them live a full life in Christ, a life fully alive, fully alive in you. So we just bless everyone listening right now. We bless you and thank you so much uh, for being a part of this very first podcast in Jesus name. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yep. Okay. Bye.